Calgary Next with Tara McCool and David Wallach is brought to you in part by Calgary Economic Development. Calgary is the choice for the world's best entrepreneurs, embracing technology to solve some of the greatest challenges. Our guest this morning is Dr. Robbie Babbins-Wagner, CEO of the Calgary Counseling Center. Robbie holds a PhD in social work, a master's of social work, and bachelor's degrees in social work and psychology. She has over 41 years of experience as an entrepreneur and innovator in the mental health space. And she's here to talk about trends she's seeing, what signs to watch for, and how people can receive help. Good morning. Good morning. Hello, and hello, David. Hello, good morning, Robbie. Good morning, Tara. Uh, Robbie, you know, um, before I, uh, you know, meeting Deborah Yadlin and she recommended to uh, invite you to our show, I haven't heard about the Calgary Counseling uh, Center. And my, I, I'm guessing that a lot of Calgarians haven't heard. So can you expand a little bit about uh, your elevator? Give us an expanded elevator speech about the <laughs> Calgary Counseling uh, Center. Uh, thanks, David. I'm happy to do that. And um, I think I think what you would what you would find is that some people don't know about us because they may not have needed counseling or they've not known where to look to get that information, and that's a problem we see in the field. But Calgary Counseling Center, we're actually celebrating our 60th anniversary this fall. Um, and Congratulations. Are, thank you. We started as a very small organization um, at that time. We've grown. To, when I joined uh, 30 years ago, we were I was one of five people at the organization, and we're now about 120, 130 people. So we've grown as Calgary has grown and as the need for counseling and mental health services has grown. But we, we actually focus on four things. Our primary focus is providing counseling, and we provide individual, couple, family, and group counseling to to people who live in this area who couldn't be as young as three or four, and we're seeing people well into their 80s, so really across the lifespan. Uh, The second thing we do is we train counselors. In the course of any year, we'll have about 110 um, men and women um, working uh, who are working in their master's programs and have to come and do about eight months um, practice experience. We call that a practicum, where they see clients, they get great supervision, and they really learn the skills of counseling. Um, so that's a second real core piece of what we do. The third thing we do is we, we do counseling research. So we have a small research center uh, within our organization, uh, but the only research we do is applied counseling research. So really trying to focus on what works in counseling, how do we know that people are actually improving, how do we help those who may not, etc. And the fourth thing we do is we do counseling policy. So we look to the research, we look to the policy about counseling and mental health in Alberta and Canada, and really try and understand that in order to help uh, policymakers um, um, make recommendations to improve uh, the mental health care system. Wow, that's pretty extensive. Uh, That's grown a lot since I remember chatting with you when I was on the news many years ago. Uh, It's wonderful to see that expansion. So I just want to touch on the research piece. Uh, What are you seeing right now with regards to to mental health? Like, where are you putting the research into? What are you finding valuable? 
Yeah, like many organizations, we saw a huge increase in requests for service during COVID. Our numbers actually went up about 21% for uh, both each year of COVID. And interestingly, um, from, the, from the middle of March of 2020 to the end of May, we d- we've done over 100,000 counseling sessions with clients virtually, meaning not in person, using computers, using Microsoft Teams. And that number is quite astounding because had you ever asked me if we would have accomplished that and made this transition so quickly to what we call either online counseling or virtual care, uh, I would have said there's no way we we could have done that, but we have. Uh, So a lot of our research has been focused on virtual care, really trying to understand if the outcomes or the results of counseling um, online is the same or different than in-person counseling. Because really until COVID started, the majority of counseling around the globe was happening in person. A number of organizations, including us, had been testing using virtual counseling, mostly because clients were starting to ask for it. Uh, But none of us made it public. We didn't advertise it. We didn't let it be known that that's what we're doing. Um, and we have a study that is um, that we've submitted for publication that basically uh, suggests that the we compared uh, one year of the first year of COVID data, so 12 months of um, client outcomes, to five years of data before COVID, and we found that the results were as good as, if not better, than in in-person counseling. Um, which really is positive. It's a good thing, uh, but it gives us support for some of the direction we want to move forward on um, into the future. Are so you I think seeing kind of, Go ahead. I'm sorry. Please finish. So I think that gives us some promise and hope for what we're doing because what we've seen is a bit of a change in demand where um, – we're not open yet for in-person care. That will happen by fall. Um, but um, we're not seeing clients asking for in-person counseling. And, we, uh, and if we are, it's really very few, and they understand why we're staying online for now. Um, but there's very little research helping us understand or support online counseling and what are the advantages or disadvantages. Are there any risks? to clients or to counselors in doing that? Do people get um, benefit as well? Do do they improve depression, anxiety, stress, relationships? Can we do all of that online? And the answer is increasingly suggesting that we can. So I understand that you're very fit. And let me explain what fit stands for. (laughs) (laughs) Feedback, Feedback informed treatment. Right. Um, so what's the uniqueness about your system, FIT system, and how does it help both the client and the therapist? Yeah, so uh, FIT isn't a model of therapy. It's actually a way of tracking outcomes. So at Calgary Counseling Center, we don't require our counselors to work with any particular model or theor- theoretical um, orientation to counseling, and there are many. There are over 400 approved models of therapy and about in total about 1200 models that are out there somewhere. But what, what we um, started doing in early 2000 was giving our clients um, a brief questionnaire at just before the counseling session. Um, we look at their scores. It's automatically 
or automagically put into the um, put into the computer, we get this really cool graph, and it lets the clients know on this graph. It's very, it's a visual tool how uh, what their mental health status is or what their mental health vital signs is. So what we want to know is if somebody just has a problem to talk about and they're really not that uh, distressed or if they are distressed and um, want to uh, and need to actually reduce the symptoms that they have in particular areas. Um, so this tool was developed that we use by Brigham Young University. It's now, um, uh, they've, ge- they've kind of generated a private company to support the tool now. It's been around um, since the um, early 80s. And um, what makes it really cool is the client does that at every single session before they come in. It takes about six minutes to do. Um, and now they're all, now all of those are on, this is all online and in an app. So clients can do it at home or at work, wherever they want to, whenever, wherever they want to do their counseling session. And they, um, we get the graph and we see change from one session to the next. And when we don't see change, uh, meaning if a client's change, scores are not moving at all, or if they're getting worse, then we would use other strategies to help us um, get them back on track towards their getting a more positive outcome. So we use that tool with all our adults, and um, the core tool is in English, but we have tool the questionnaire available in 24 first languages. So clients can take it, most clients can take it in the language of their choice if English isn't their first language. And we also have a very specific tool for youth between the ages of 12 and um, 17. Youth can complete their own questionnaire. It's called the Youth Outcome Questionnaire. And then we have a parent tool to accompany the youth tools that we use for kids that are three and up, three to 17, Mm. where we can get a parent's perception of how their young person is doing because it's often parents that bring their kids into counseling like most most younger kids uh school-age kids kids in junior high don't come in on their own um so it's really important to get the parents perspective and the youth's perspective about how they're doing so with all that information uh we we work with every single client using these tools but we can also do research using the tool to help us figure out how to um, structure our programs, what's a good average number of sessions of counseling for people to have in order to benefit from care, and also what may be too much, and where, may be, where might, could we potentially be doing harm by providing count, more counseling sessions than a, than a person might actually need. We're with Dr. Robbie Babbins-Wagner, the CEO of the Calgary Counseling Center. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, Robbie, I'd like to chat about what I'm seeing with my kids and how we can dig into some of the causes of how our teens are feeling. Calgary Next with Tara McCool and David Wallach is brought to you in part by Calgary Economic Development. Calgary is the choice for the world's best entrepreneurs, embracing technology to solve some of the greatest challenges. Calgary Next with Tara McCool and David Wallach is brought to you in part by Calgary Economic Development. Calgary is the choice for the world's best entrepreneurs, embracing technology to solve some of the greatest challenges. Our guest this morning is Dr. Robbie Babbins-Wagner, CEO Calgary Counseling Centre. So Robbie, before the break, we were talking about... um, 
my perspective with, with the kids. So I've got a 21 year old daughter, 19 year old daughter and a 16 year old son. And I'm seeing a lot of, with the girls particularly, uh, in the friend group and extended anxiety, ADHD, depression. And I'm wondering if any of the research that you're digging into looks at why this is happening and starts to, starts to target those things. Have you seen more of this or did these, um, did the problems develop around the onset of COVID or were they there beforehand? No, I I mean, even in, even in high school prior to, yeah, I did see a lot, a lot more than when, I mean, I was growing up a long time ago uh, at that (laughs) phase, but I just don't remember um, people suffering the same way that they are now. Or we didn't talk about it. True. Yeah. True. I actually think it's that we didn't we didn't talk about it. Number one, and the second part of it is some of the science, both in uh, diagnosing and uh, working with young people, is better than it was when we were kids. Um, and I think the whole issue of mental health and seeking care is becoming more acceptable. And I think COVID has really helped us with that because there was so much conversation about mental health. Our provincial government put a lot of money um, into providing mental health supports to people over the province. So I think it's become more okay to seek help and for kids to talk about it than it was certainly when I was a kid. Um, I saw changes when my kids were um, uh, were growing up, but I think it's even now it's more accessible to people. And there are many, have been many, many strategies nationally and locally to uh, reduce stigma around um, seeking help for mental health problems, such as mm. anxiety, depression, ADHD. So I think it's a combination um, of things, but I think the biggest issue, the epidemiological numbers until COVID, meaning the science that tells us how much depression or anxiety um, or stress an age group will have, um, really hadn't changed since COVID. We've seen a bit of a jump since COVID, but a lot of us believe that given three or five years, and if we don't have any more pandemic, new pandemics during that time, we'll see those numbers probably go back to pre-pandemic rates. So how do um, we know if, if, if we have a friend or a family member and they seem to be struggling, but we're not... Um, clinically trained and we don't really know how, what, what any of these mental health issues might be, how do we know and, and how do you help somebody get help when they don't either want help or know that they need help and they're an adult? I would, um, what I recommend is that you, you have a conversation with them and you raise it and say, I'm concerned about you. Or I'm, you know, I'm seeing um, signs in in Sally that um, I'm have have me concerned. Can we talk about this? And if they don't want to talk about it, there's nothing you could do. But at least you planted the seed for a conversation. Mm-hmm. You can't say if you want to talk about it at any point, I'd be happy to talk to you about it. And I would offer um, I would offer resources. I would say it's normal. These problems these days are quite normal. There are ways we can get help. They're not expensive. They're um, accessible. And if you want to know, if if you need my help to get there or if you need my help to make connections for you and an organization, I'd be happy to do that. But they can also go talk to their family doctor um, 
just about anybody. The, the language I like to use is that any door is the right door. These days, um, talking to anybody will probably lead you to a resource that you can access, that you can make use of, that will make sure you get to the right place for the particular problem that you know, that friend's child is dealing with or that friend is dealing with themselves. Most of the people who come to us come at the recommendation of, of a previous user of our services. Our guest this morning is Dr. Robbie Babins-Wagner, CEO of Calgary Counseling Center. Something that is very close to my heart, um, and I'm involved with the Israeli uh, veterans suffering from PTSD, because I was yeah. a, I'm a veteran. And yeah. for years, no one knew how to deal with PTSD. Now, I live in Canada for the last 23 years. And what I've seen in the last 25 years or so, that Canadian Army, Army, Army forces were involved in former Yugoslavia, uh, involved in Afghanistan. And it seems to me that here in Canada, we don't know how to deal with PTSD and we probably don't even deal with it. So what do you see in terms of dealing with veterans or, or first responders with, with their PTSD? Because they see stuff that, you know, the normal, normal person doesn't see every day. Yeah. So let's start with um, first responders. I think for first res- first responders um, um, really need the support of the community and supportive services that can best meet their needs. And that really means providing very specialized trauma-related um, counseling and support services to first responders. After the flood in 2013, we had a huge influx of first responders coming to the center to receive counseling services, and they did really well in their work. Let me kick it up a, a bit. You talked about Canadian Arms Forces and veterans. We have actually, for the last year, been working with Veterans Affairs Canada um, and working with all of their um, occupational stress injury clinics across the country. When I say we, it's uh, I'm involved in some of my staff. We're consulting to them in order to use the fit work that you asked me about earlier and to use it as a best practice to be able to determine whether what their the trauma-informed work and the trauma skills training and therapy that they're doing with their clients is actually making a difference and is benefiting their clients. So I think the Canadian government, like many governments, are really committed to um, providing more trauma services specifically for PTSD, both for, um, for veterans, for people who are um, in armed, currently in armed forces services, and for first responders. But these are groups, typically, that are more reluctant to seek counseling, more reluctant to seek, seek help, because they typically have been socialized into more of a macho, um, don't share uh, my problems, it won't help me at work, there'll be consequences to me um, uh, phenomena. And I would suggest that most organizations are changing around that. None of this is perfect, but I think organizations now are investing in and providing the support to their members and to their employees. And But I don't think we've had enough service, and I don't think over time, I think that's changing again now uh, because of the war in, um, in, Yugosla- in um, the Ukraine. And, um, but I think there's more work to do in that space. You've done so much to increase awareness in the mental health space. What would you 
focus on right now? What do you think is like, where's the fire burning? What, what is it that we all need to think about, raise awareness for, pay attention to, and help our communities with? I think it's continuing. The most important thing we need to do now is to continue the conversation about mental health. Um, because, you know, the, the virus is not as visible right now, so people think that everything's okay. And, you know, numbers are high and people are struggling. I think they're doing a bit better because the weather's nice and they can be outside. And um, But uh, there are a lot of people that are still um, ill and struggling with COVID and some of the side effects of COVID. So I think talking about mental health, making sure that services are available and accessible. For example, we don't have a wait list. We haven't had a wait list in 18 years. Anybody calling us today will be assigned to a counselor no later than noon tomorrow. And oh, wow. To be, yeah, that's, this has been a promise that we made many years ago. And if they need to be seen, if we're on the phone with them or we, or we read their, if they register online and we read their registration form, and we have some concerns, we will call them and offer them a spot that we have today at four o'clock. We have two spots every day at four o'clock that are available to people that just can't wait for tomorrow or can't wait for a day or two for the counselor to call them back. So I think responding quickly, making sure people can get their needs met, increasing access, not only in Calgary and area, but across the province are really critical. And I know that people are looking at um, strategies to support this right now. Dr. Robbie Babbins-Wagner, thank you so much. I feel like we could talk about this for hours. Yes, and you are so knowledgeable. We appreciate your time. Oh, my pleasure. Calgary Next with Tara McCool and David Wallach is brought to you in part by Calgary Economic Development. Calgary is the choice for the world's best entrepreneurs, embracing technology to solve some of the greatest challenges.